Good morning, Living Loved. This morning we're going to be going through Matthew 23, talking about Jesus' conversation, warning and condemning the religious leaders of that time. So we'll give just a couple minutes for people to hop on the live here. Put Matthew 23 in the chat here. Good morning, everybody. If it's morning where you are, I know some people hop on from halfway across the world, and it's probably not morning there. But... Good morning to everybody for who it is morning. Good morning. Thanks for hopping on, everybody. All right. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? How are we all doing? It is Thursday today. Sometimes I lose track of the days. If you're on here regularly, you know that I struggle to know which day it is. Good morning. Good morning, Sammy. Good morning, Koozie. Morning, Nathan. Enjoy. Morning, Tiana and Lily. All right. Morning, Jesse. Martine. All right, Matthew 23 this morning, guys. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you're prepared this morning, get your Bible out, get your sword out. If you want to take notes, you can take notes. But we're just going to read through Matthew 23 this morning. We're going to see what Jesus has to say. Matthew 23, the first verse is the only verse in Matthew 23 that aren't words from Jesus. Otherwise, if you look at all of Matthew 23, my Bible has, you know, the red letters for when Jesus is speaking, when it's Jesus' words. And it's all red words except for the first verse, which just introduces Matthew 23. So, everything that we're going to read this morning are the words of Jesus. So they're not my words, so don't get mad at me. <laughs> they're Jesus' words. So we're going to read Jesus' words because they still reign true today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. So what he had to say to them 2,000 years ago still applies to us today. So we're going to read it. We're going to see what the Lord emphasizes, what the Spirit says about it. And we're going to do some prayer. And we're going we're gonna to have a good morning. Alright. So let's pray quick before we get into Matthew 23. Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the revelation of who you are, God. That we get to read about you. That your word gets to be spoken to our hearts. That we can have access to your word. Lord, that we live in this, in this nation where we can read your word without being attacked, persecuted. But that we can live and breathe your word, Lord. That we can eat your word every day. That we can get our daily bread. That we can come before you. And we can hear your word spoken over our life, Lord. I pray that as we read your word this morning, Lord, you would speak to us by your spirit. That your spirit would interpret what you're trying to say to us today. How this applies to us today. What needs to change in our own lives, Lord. How can we come closer to you this morning? Show us the way in which to go, Lord. We trust in you. We need you, God. We are nothing without you. You are our author and our perfecter, Lord. You created us and you perfect us, God. 
So we trust in you this morning. We place our faith in you. We know that all things that we long for, Lord, you know. You hold it all in your hand, and we, we long to do your will this morning, God. We put our hearts in line with yours, Lord. So speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Good morning, Jenny, Zach, Willy Wonka, Mom to Bryn, Caroline, everybody who just hopped on, Gabe, thanks for hopping on this morning. Matthew 23 today, if you haven't heard. Matthew 23. We're going to go through the whole chapter. Like I said earlier, it's all Jesus' words except for the first verse. So let's get started. Matthew 23. All right. Speak, Lord, speak. For your servants are listening, Lord. Matthew 23. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. For they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms they wear extra-wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra-long tassels. And they love to sit at the head table at banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. And they love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi. All right. First seven verses right there. And what does Jesus say? What does he start off with? He says to the crowd and to his disciples. He says, you know, these teachers of religious law and the Pharisees. They interpret the law for you. They are your teachers, right? But he says to obey what they tell you, but don't follow their example. So he's saying what they're teaching you is true, right? The scriptures are good and right, and the law is good. Obey what they tell you, but don't follow their example. So he's saying, although they teach what is correct, they don't follow their own example. They don't follow what they preach, right? They don't do, they don't live what they're preaching, Right? Verse 4 says they crush people with unbearable religious demands and they never lift a finger to ease the burden. So they've taken the law and they've almost put it to this next level. They've made it impossible to follow. Right? They've added laws and rules to the original law. Right? They've made it harder than it needs to be. And they require things from the people that shouldn't be required. Right? So verse 5 Everything they do is for show. So they're not even doing it out of the pure of their, purity of their hearts. They're doing it to build themselves up, right? Everything they do is for show. They, they make themselves look more holier than thou, you might say. They wear things that are, that are extra, right? They wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside. And they wear, wear robes with extra long tassels. So they're doing more than is necessary to make themselves look better to build themselves up and they love to sit at the head table at banquets and the seats of honor so they love to build themselves up they want to be recognized they want to be known they love to receive respectful greetings and to be called teacher verse 8 don't let anyone call you rabbi or teacher for you have only one teacher and all of you are equal as brothers and sisters and don't address anyone here on earth as father, 
for only God in heaven is your spiritual father. And don't let anyone call you teacher, for you have only one teacher, the Messiah. The greatest among you must be a servant, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So we see Jesus is saying here, don't let anyone call you teacher, or don't let anyone call you father. Don't let anyone, or don't you yourself, put yourself in that position to say that you are above other people, that other people should look to you for spiritual blessing, for spiritual encouragement, for spiritual guidance, right? There are people in our life who are going to guide us in that way, but if they self-proclaim that over people, then they've, they've overstepped their bounds, right? Because Jesus is saying here, there is only one teacher. You are to only have one teacher. You are to only have one spiritual father. The teacher is Jesus, right? Jesus is our teacher. And by the Holy Spirit with us today, right? Jesus says that he will teach you all things. He will lead you into all truth. So we trust in the Holy Spirit to teach us about Jesus, to show us Jesus, right? Right now, the Holy Spirit is working and interpreting this word. He's speaking through me and he's helping you understand he's he's doing the same thing in each of us right he's working in each of our hearts to show us what Jesus is saying here right otherwise these are just words on a page but the holy spirit is in us he's teaching us about the teacher the messiah and he's making it true to us that that our our true spiritual father is the father in heaven right so Jesus says don't address anyone here on earth as father or anyone here on earth as teacher. For you are all equal as brothers and sisters. We are all equal. There's no one greater in the kingdom of heaven. We are all equal. Right? We, we need each other. We need to build as the body of Christ. And we need to receive guidance from people at some times. And we need to guide others at some times. But we are all equal in the body of Christ. Wait. Right? All right. For you have only one teacher and one father. The Messiah and the Father God. The greatest among you must be a servant, right? These these religious leaders were not living as servants. They were living to be served, right? They weren't living as servants. They were living to be served. But Jesus says the greatest among you must be a servant. So we should desire to serve people because what does Jesus say in verse 12? Those who exalt themselves, who build themselves up, who make themselves better than others will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Right? This is that upside down kingdom again. We talked about this a couple chapters ago. I'm not exactly sure which chapter we talked about it in. But we went into detail about how the world operates is different than how the kingdom of heaven operates. Right? We should humble ourselves. We should not be building ourselves up above others. We should be serving others. We should be humbling ourselves. And in that way, we will be exalted. The greatest example of that is always Jesus. Right? He humbled himself. He was God. Yet he came as a human to earth. Right? He created humans and yet he came as a human. He humbled himself. And then what did he do? He served. He taught. He preached. He healed. And then he died for us. He took the ultimate sacrifice for our life. The ultimate example of humbling himself. The least likely or worthy or... What's the word for it? Jesus shouldn't have died on that cross, is what I'm trying to say. He was the least deserving of death on a cross. Deserving to take our sin, right? He lived a sinless life. 
He he did never did anything wrong. And yet he died for us. He had the power to take himself off that cross. He could have done whatever he wanted, yet he submitted himself to the Father's will. He humbled himself, became a slave in the human form, and died on the cross. And because of that, he has been exalted. He has been given the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every name, knee shall bow, every tongue confess, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, that Jesus is Lord. Right? So we see the great example of Jesus, that Jesus humbled himself on the cross. He humbled himself, though he did not deserve it. And because he did that, he is now exalted in heaven. He is given the name above every other name. And so what do we do on this earth? We do the same thing. We follow the Father's will. We humble ourselves before others. We serve others. Those who we think we are above, we must serve them, right? What did Jesus do with his disciples before he died? He washed their feet. They had been following him and calling him teacher. And what did he do? He took the position of a servant in that instance and he washed their feet. And he said, you must continue to do this for others. You must continue to live this example that I have given you. To wash each other's feet, right? Figuratively and literally, right? Sometimes what we do in, in Christian circles is wash each other's feet and that humbles us, right? It makes us realize that we are here to serve each other, not for us to, for others to serve us, right? That's the upside down kingdom. So let's keep going. Now we're going to see Jesus talking specifically to the religious leaders and the Pharisees, and he has some harsh judgments against them, right? This section in my Bible is, is labeled, Jesus condemns the religious leaders. So he's got some harsh words to say for them, right? All right, verse 13, verse 13. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, right? What does a hypocrite mean? It means to not act on what you say. Right? Your actions don't match your words. So he's calling them hypocrites, and we'll see him say that plenty of times. For you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves, and you don't let others enter either. So he's saying you are making impossible impossible for people to enter the kingdom of heaven. You yourselves won't go in, and you're also making impossible for others to enter as well. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cross land and sea to make one convert, and then you turn that person into twice the child of hell you yourselves are. Right? So they're willing to do anything and everything to make one convert, to bring one person into their fold, to make another teacher or religious leader. And what do they do? They make them even worse, right? They teach them in the wrong ways. Right? They convert them to be a teacher, yet what they have become is worse than what they started as, right? Because they, they teach them to build themselves up, to become like they are doing, to, to be, you know, above others. They want people to serve them, to, to listen to them, to honor them for who they are, for who they've built themselves up to be. Verse 16. Blind guides... What sorrow awaits you? For you say that it means nothing to swear by God's temple, but that it is binding to swear by the gold in the temple. Blind fools, which is more important, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? And you say that to swear by the altar is not binding, but to swear by the gifts on the altar is binding. How blind! For which is more important, the gift on the altar or the altar that makes the gifts sacred? 
When you swear by the altar, you are swearing by it and by everything on it. And when you swear by the temple, you are swearing by it and by God, who lives in it. And when you swear by heaven, you are swearing by the throne of God and by God, who sits on the throne. So we see here that the teachers have been, the religious leaders have been teaching the people that it was right or wrong to swear by certain things, right? They said it was right, that it was okay to swear by the temple, but not by the gold in the temple. And Jesus says, which is more important, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? Right? He's pointing out, it's, it, you have it completely backwards, right? It's not the physical things that make it worse to swear by. It's not the physical aspects of things. It's the spiritual things, right? The temple itself is what makes the gold sacred. The gold in itself is just gold, right? It might be valuable, but it's just a physical thing. It's not sacred. It's not spiritual. But the temple where God resides, that is what matters, right? So why would you swear ever swear by the temple? Or say that swearing by the gold in the temple is worse than swearing by the temple itself, right? And he says the same things about the altar and the gifts on the altar. Then he also says, when you swear by the temple, you are swearing by it and by God, right? Who lives in it. So when we, you swear by something religious, by something spiritual, you are swearing by God because that is where God resides. When you swear by heaven, you are swearing by the throne of God and by God who sits on the throne. And there's, there's stuff earlier, right? Where God says, or where Jesus says, just don't swear by anything, right? Just don't, just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let your truth be truth so that you don't have to swear by anything in heaven or on earth, right? So don't make your promises on things of this earth or things in heaven. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Verse 23, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Blind guides, you strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel. Okay? So tithing is a thing, right, in the kingdom of heaven. In the law, it's a thing. 10% of what they earn goes back into the house of God. And the, the Pharisees had started tithing even what they brought in from their garden, right? But they had forgotten the more as important aspects of the law, right? The law itself is a list of rules, but it, it describes a higher thing, right? Justice, mercy, and faith are all described in the law, right? Show justice. Show mercy. Have faith. Justice, mercy, and faith, right? And yet they had forgotten those things because they had gotten so wrapped up and the religious laws. Jesus says, you should tithe, yes. It's good that you tithe, but do not neglect the more important things. And then he says, you strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel, right? So that's a representative. In the law, they're not allowed to eat gnats or camels, right? And he says, you strain your water so you won't swallow a gnat. So they're, they're more focused on the smallest things of the law, and yet they don't realize that they're actually making it worse for themselves. They're swallowing a camel, right? It'd be more obvious to eat a camel than a gnat. And yet that's what they're doing figuratively, right? 
All right, verse 25. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. What is he saying here? He's saying you're so careful to make yourself look good on the outside that you've become corrupt on the inside. Right? It's the heart that matters. God looks at the heart. Men look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so we're seeing that, that Jesus sees what is inside, right? Next he says, For you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly you look like righteous people, but you, inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. So again, he's saying, you have made yourself look good on the outside, but inside you are dead. You are rotting. You are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And that's something that still applies to us today, right? This all applies to us today. We must be careful that we don't become like this, that we don't become prideful, that we don't worry so much about what we look out like on the outside, that we don't care, take care of what's on the inside, that we don't become repentant, right? That we don't let our hearts be hardened. What is it if we gain the whole world yet lose our soul, right? It is what's inside that matters. Men look at the outside appearance, but God looks at your heart. God is more concerned about the position and the place of your heart, your soul, than what is on the outside, than what others see, right? Because God can see through that. He, he sees through your fake mask, right? You're lying. Right? Oftentimes we put on a mask and we make ourselves look good. We make it so, look like we, we are all good on the outside, yet in the inside we are falling apart. And God says, give me what's falling apart. And outside, from inside out, I will cleanse you. I will make you clean. Right? We have to let God, by His Spirit, do a new work in our hearts. Re remove what has been filthy, what has been dying, on the inside so that we can be made new on the inside and once we are made new on the inside that's when the fruit will start to show that's when the outside starts to show alright verse 29 what sorrow awaits you you teachers of religious law and your Pharisees hypocrites for you build tombs for the prophets your ancestors killed and you decorate the monuments of the godly people your ancestors destroyed then you say if we had lived in the days of our ancestors we would never have joined them in killing the prophets but in saying that, you testify against yourselves that you are indeed the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead and finish what your ancestors started. Snakes, son of vipers, how will you escape the judgment of hell? Therefore I am sending you prophets and wise men and teachers of religious law, but you will kill some by crucifixion, and you will flog others with whips in your synagogues, chasing them from city to city. As a result, you will be held responsible for the murder of all godly people of all that time. From the murders of righteous Abel to the murder of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you killed in the temple between the sanctuary and the altar, I tell you the truth, this judgment will fall on this very generation. Alright, so what is Jesus saying here? He's talking to the religious leaders and the Pharisees yet, and he's saying... You have honored the prophets that your ancestors killed, right? 
So before in the Old Testament, the Lord had sent prophets, teachers, leaders, kings, and yet the people at that time killed them, right? They killed the prophets. They chased the prophets out. They didn't believe what the prophets had to say, though they spoke directly from the Lord. And he's saying, now you're going to act like you honor those people, yet your ancestors killed them? And then you say, if we had lived in those days of our ancestors, we'd never have joined in killing the prophets. But then Jesus prophesies over them, I'm going to send you prophets and wise men, but you will kill some by crucifixion, right? What's going to happen by Jesus? To Jesus, he's going to be crucified. One of Jesus' disciples also is crucified. And you'll flog others with whips in your synagogues, chasing them from city to city. So he's saying, no, you are just like your ancestors. You are also going to kill God's prophets. You're going to kill God's sent people because you won't look past the law. You won't look past your own blind eyes to see who God actually is, what he's actually doing in the world. And that applies to us today, right? There's, there's people who are sent by God, who have been appointed by God, who are teaching the word of God, and yet sometimes we get too wrapped up in our tradition, in our religion, in our laws, to see what the new move of God is, right? God doesn't always work in the same way. He works in new ways. There's new waves of God's movements, right? If it looked the same all the time, and it just wouldn't be God, right? He's, he's a God. He does a new thing. He does a new work. And so we can't be blinded by the things that are in front of our eyes, that the, the way that things have gone before. We must have open eyes, open spiritual hearts to see the new move of God, to see what he is doing in our own time and not to shut people out because they don't look like our own ways, right? Just because they don't follow the same tradition, the same things that we've been used to or that we've heard of doesn't mean that they're they're against us that they're against Jesus right so Jesus is calling out these religious leaders he's saying you are going to do the same thing you are no different than your ancestors you have been denying me denying the spirit of the Lord denying the move of God just like your ancestors Jesus himself right I've said this so many times but it's so crazy that the Messiah, the Messiah, the sent one of God, the one that they have been waiting for, the promised one, the one that they have been studying for, waiting for, longing for, is standing right in front of their faces, and yet they're going to kill him. They're going to kill him. Because they can't actually see, they don't actually know who God is. They haven't seen, they haven't understood God's justice, his mercy, and the faith it takes to actually understand and believe in God. So we ourselves, we also, I need to be careful that I don't let the things that I have learned, right, the laws that I have followed, the religious traditions, get in the way of what God is trying to do in my heart, the ways he's moving in other people, right? I can't just call other people out because he's moving in them in a different way than I've seen him move in my life, right? And what does he say? He says, from the murder of righteous Abel, so from the first sons of Adam and Eve, to the murder of Zechariah, who is the last prophet in the Old Testament, whom you killed in the temple, right? They even killed prophets in the temple courts. 
this judgment, the judgment for all of those killings from Abel to Zechariah are going to fall on this very generation, on this generation that kills the Messiah, the Christ, Jesus himself, the one who was sent with God, by God, Emmanuel, God with us. The judgment would, is going to fall on that generation because they denied the one whom God had sent. All right, three more verses. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers, how often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. And now look, your house is abandoned and desolate. For I tell you this, you will never see me again until you say, Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. So Jesus is mourning over the city of Jerusalem. He's mourning for his people. He's mourning for his people. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks. But you wouldn't let me. He wants these people. He, You see, Jesus is calling out these, these leaders, and he still loves them. He still knows that this these people are his people. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. God wants us. We are his children. Whether we like it or not, we are his children. Whether we accept it or not, we are God's children. And he wants to gather us together. He longs to bring us into his fold, right? To protect us beneath his wings. But you wouldn't let me, he says of these people, right? Don't be in that position of the Pharisees. Don't let this be your hardened heart. Let God work in your life like he wants to. He wants to do amazing things in your life. He wants to protect you. He wants to keep you in his fold. Don't push God out. Don't push him out. All he wants to do is love you. All he wants to do is protect you. Just let him work in you. Don't harden your heart. Don't close it off in your mind. Just let him work in you, right? He doesn't even care that much about what you look like on the outside, right? What your outward actions are. He just wants your heart. And he knows once he has your heart, everything else will change. So give him your heart today. Give him your mind today. Let him wash over you new. Let him protect you. Let him bring you in. Spend that time with him today where he can just show you how much he loves you. He says to Jerusalem, to his people, to the city that he loves, I tell you this, you will never see me again until you say, Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. So he's saying, I'm going to come again. And when I come again, you're going to sing blessings. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. So he's, he's prophesying. He's predicting when he will come again, right? They're going to kill him, but he's going to resurrect and he's going to ascend. But one day he is coming again 
to Jerusalem, to the city. He's coming to rule and reign in Jerusalem. His city will be restored. The city of Jerusalem, the people of God will be restored. It is happening. It will happen. There's nothing you can do to stop it. And when we see him on that day, we will say, Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. So choose him today before it's too late. Before you see Jesus coming again, choose him today. Let him into your heart. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I believe that you are my Lord and my Savior. I profess you before men and before God. Change my heart. Renew my heart. Make me new, God. I give my life to you. Humble me before others and before you, that you may make me clean on the inside so that it may show that it may bear fruit on the outside. Amen. All right. I hope this message spoke to you guys this morning. I know it spoke to me. Got a little emotional there at one point, which is okay, which is good. It's really good, actually. But uh, I love you guys. I hope this spoke to you guys this morning. It's the Word of God. It always strikes our hearts, right? It says in the Bible that the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit. Right? What does that mean? The Word of God still speaks today. It's not just words from 2,000 plus years ago. It's alive and active. It's spiritual and it's truth. Once you know the truth, you can't deny the truth. Right? Once you know the truth of the Word, you can't go back on it. It's, it strikes you in your heart. It's more than just physical words. It's, it's cuts between soul and spirit, right? I don't know if you guys know this, but you're not just a physical body. You're not. You're not just a physical body with a wandering mind. That's not who you are. You are a soul. You have a mind, will, and emotions. You are a personality. You are created by God to be who you are. He created you perfect just as you are. And you are spirit. God made us in his image. We are spiritual beings. That's how we connect with God, right? If we didn't have a spirit, we wouldn't connect with God because God himself is spirit and truth. And he created us as physical beings with a spirit, right? So we, we are created to connect with God. Don't let anybody tell you that you're just flesh and blood because there's more to you, right? There's more to you than meets the eye. And God knows that and he sees that. And he loves what he has created. He loves you. So follow him. Give him your heart. Give him your soul. Give him your spirit. Give him your mind. He wants all of you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen. Alright. Let's finish with some prayer. Father, I thank you for everyone who joined me this morning. I thank you for your word, Lord, how it spoke to me. Lord, I pray that it would touch the hearts of those who have listened this morning, those who will listen later. Lord, I pray and I thank you that you are so good, that your word is alive and active. Lord, that is not just words on a page, but that it is, it is life 
to our bones. It is life to our spirit, to our soul, Lord. Father, if if these people are struggling with identity, with who they are, I pray that you would make it clear to them this morning that they are a child of God, deeply loved, that they have been paid for with a price, Lord. And that price was Jesus, his blood on the cross. And that's not a cheap cost, Lord. That is expensive. That is heaven going broke, that each of us may come and live with you, Lord, that we may have eternal life, that our our soul, our spirit would rise with you. We are more than just flesh and blood. We thank you, God. Make that true in our hearts. May we remember that every day, God. Let us not forget who we are. Father, I pray that we would come to you today and that we would we would come to you and just let you protect us. Let you cover us with your wings, Lord, just as you desire, Lord. That we would be your people and you would be our God. You would be our Father and our Teacher, our Guider and our Protector. That we would trust in you, God, not the things of this world. The things of this world will pass away, but the Word of God will last forever. What you have said is true, Lord, and we believe it. We believe it by faith. We receive it by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Spirit is willing, flesh is weak, so let's pray. Amen, Shamili. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining this morning. I love going through the Bible with you guys. I love it. (laughs) It's fun. The Word of God. You don't know until you know, right? There's something about the Word of God that's different, right? Because what I just said, it's alive and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. Cuts between soul and spirit. It shows you who you are. It gives you identity as a child of God, and that is who you are. So thanks for joining me this morning, guys. We're growing as a community. I'll be back at 2 p.m. this afternoon. I'm not sure what we'll talk about yet, but the Lord's going to put something on my heart. Thank you guys for joining. Share this with your friends. Share with the people who need to hear the word of God. Follow us. Support us. We love you guys. Have a great day.